Well, let's turn to God's Word, and uh, we're hearing something of this story of Lazarus and Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And we join the story partway through. Jesus has heard that Lazarus is, uh, is very sick and close to death, and yet he's chosen to stay uh, where he is rather than making the journey to see Lazarus. We join at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, my Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning and welcome to Christchurch Down End. My name is Anita Dobson, if you don't know me, I'm part of the team here at Christchurch 
looking after discipleship. We've come to the end of our series on honest questions, questions that the congregation have given us to look at during this difficult time. And we've looked at them during sermons, podcasts, and in some of our life groups. The last question we're dealing with is, where is God in this pandemic? And we're going to look at that through the lens of John 11, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and also by looking around us and gathering evidence of what God is doing. So where is God in the pandemic? I think we need to pray before we look at that question. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that today you'll give us open hearts, open minds and open lives as we reflect together. Amen. So where is God in the pandemic? Well, I think people were asking us this question in different kinds of ways. Some were asking it in deep anguish. And that's the same as the way that Mary and Martha were asking that question in our reading today. They were desperately upset, not only that their brother was dying, but also that Jesus didn't seem to be there. He didn't seem to be coming to help them. And when he does turn up, they quite rightly berate him and say, if you had been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. So we'll come back to that later. But many people are in that state of anguish at the moment. Now today, I'm not going to deal with that anymore because we had two sermons on that in the beginning of our series on suffering. So you might want to go back and check on those. You might still be in that place where you need to dwell there. And that's okay, because then you can come back another time and revisit this sermon, and you might be in a better place to hear this one. So, some people were asking out of anguish. Other people were asking more as a sense of, what is God doing, I want to know. In the same way that some of Jesus' followers were asking that question when they went with him to see what he was going to do about Lazarus. And there's a, there's a maturity in that, isn't there? Asking. Well, I don't understand what's going on, Lord, but I want to know what you're doing here. And also, can I be part of it? So some people are in that place and that's the way that we're going to deal with that today. Now, if I was to give you a piece of paper and ask you to list good things that have come from the pandemic, I wonder how many you could come up with. Perhaps you can do it over lunchtime today. For some, it might be a real struggle because of all the negative things just clouding everything for you, which is understandable. But I think other people are going to find that they can list quite a few things, even if they're tiny ones. And it is a good experience for all of us to do that, because we, if we count our blessings, it does help to lift our spirits. So I came up with loads. I can only fit a few of them in this morning. So here are some of them. And I asked our congregation, some of them, to give me ideas. So I'm going to lace their quotes through what I say. And I think their experience is pretty typical, but it's exciting to see how they are viewing it through the lens of Jesus. So number one, a rediscovery of a love of nature and the small treasures of our local area. I think many people can identify with that. And this is what Helen said. She said, I found God lifting my mood by showing me beautiful things to photograph during the lockdowns, a blue sky or a puddle reflection. And it's been lovely because Helen has shared those on social media, so other people have got to enjoy that blessing as well. Other people have talked about deepening friendships with neighbours, friends, colleagues, and in the church as well. And Harriet writes, I felt really blessed by the people that God has put around me. 
whether it's been a supportive phone call, a meal delivery, or just letting me know that they're there for me. Other people, I think, will be able to relate to that too. There's been an exciting development, I think, across our nation, which is an increased ability to talk about things that really matter and to talk about our emotional state and our well-being. When people say to you now, how are you? They don't really mean it in the same way they used to, just something to say. They now say, how are you? And you know that you can actually tell them the truth, whereas perhaps before you thought, you thought they wouldn't bother to listen. And that's been a real step change. And it's been noticeable in the church as well. And tomorrow, we're starting a wellbeing course on Monday evenings via Zoom. If you want to find out more, uh, ask any of us, ask Paul, who's leading that course. And also, our young people are doing a wellbeing course, they're just about to start, called Kintsugi Hope. And there's a real hope that we can roll some of these things out into the community shortly. So that's a real change for us, I think. What else? Well, I think we've had to realise in the West that life does not always go to plan and that there are many more things that we can't control than we thought. I think that's been good for us. Been good for us to realise that we need to rely on God a lot more than we have been doing. And I think there's also a feeling that perhaps some of the things that we thought were important really aren't. I was listening to Mary Portas, who's a retail guru and has, has led up many big companies. She said this recently in an interview. She said, now I realise that the only things that matter are humanity and the planet with love at the heart of it. That's quite a step change for the queen of retail to have that shift away from materialism, isn't it? Some people have also listed a sense of being able to slow down to a slower pace of life. Now, I know that for every person who's experienced that, there are others who have experienced the very opposite. So we hear that, we know that. But for some, it has been an unexpected blessing time when they have been able, either by choice or being forced to, experience a slower time of life. And I wonder what people have chosen to do with that new opportunity, that unexpected blessing. I spoke to Debbie Paragreen and she gave me some examples of how she and God have been working through that experience together. So we're just going to watch a short clip from Debbie. Hi folks. Annette has asked, uh, Anita has asked us to um, do a piece if possible about what good has come out of uh, this pandemic. Well, now having been unable to work for nearly a year, I've had plenty of time to look back and see the things, particularly as I struggled to see anything in the beginning. The first few months were really, really hard just being at home. For myself personally, it's taught me to take a good look at time management, how not to waste time, which I found myself doing, to love my own company. And for someone that thrives on being with people, this was a very, very difficult one. To really enjoy the little things in a day. Peace, quiet, sitting for ages watching the birds coming and going and on the feeders. Being at work I never knew how many foxes frequented my garden every day. Re really enjoyed baking, especially bread. Found great joy in leaving somebody a fresh bread or some eggs from my chickens on their doorstep. I'm really surprised just how ingenious people have become, making various things 
finding a creativity they never knew they had. I have enjoyed doing painting by numbers. I would not have thought I would have had the patience, but I do. Learning to communicate more, especially using Zoom, which I found very difficult and very annoying to start with. Also, how have we seen God working in this pandemic? Always for me is learning more patience. This has been a tough one. I'm not a particularly patient person. Um, that is possible to, it's possible to really care and feel love for someone and show it without actually being with them. There are many ways to show love and uh, I gained relationships with neighbours I may not have known. I learned what you can live without, much of what I thought was important really is not. Had a change in perspective to what is really necessary and important in our lives. Perhaps the most important is the relationship with God, being better, closer and stronger. I've had the space to pray anytime and anywhere. To have more questions, to praise more, especially to rely upon and thank my Heavenly Father for keeping me strong and safe each and every single day through this very scary time. Even I've even got to read in several Christian books, which up to now have just been gathering dust. Keep going, folks, and take care. Thank you. It was interesting to see in that interview how Debbie has been working with God to make the most out of the situation that she's found herself in. And as I said before, I know that people's experiences are very different on this situation. But whether people have found it a blessing to have a slower pace of life, or whether they've been in the midst of the storm with great difficulties, people have been finding that they can invite Jesus into that situation, meet him there, and receive blessing. So we'll talk more about that. I wonder what specific blessings there have been in the church. Faith has been in the spotlight more than it normally would, I think, as people debate what, it's, what it means to be a worshipping community, what it means to meet for worship, and so on. And those debates have been going on at all kinds of levels, haven't they? So I've listed a few things that I feel are blessings in the church. And again, there are loads more. So if you want to have a go at writing some down yourself, please do. See what ideas you can come up with about the ways that God has been blessing us in our church um, during this time. So, number one, we started a schools partnership. On top of all the work that's done with our CAT clients, we now support regularly several families from the local schools who are in financial trouble, and we help them with regular shopping deliveries. We've been still helping our friends overseas, and we've been helping, for example, our brothers and sisters in Uganda. And Jan and Richard have written this about their experience. For us, the biggest encouragement has been the amount that's been achieved in Kumi, even though we haven't been there. This includes the building of four much needed teachers' homes, emergency food aid, the roof on a rural church. This has only been possible from the Lord, but also from supporters, including a number from Christchurch. We feel both humbled and overwhelmed with joy. Chris has started an online prayer meeting every fortnight with Christians from Bristol Diocese and from our partners in Uganda. 
And uh, that's been a real blessing, and I'm sure that will continue long after lockdown, uh, a new way for people to connect together across boundaries. What else? Well, our online presence has certainly increased dramatically from uh, almost a standing start in, back in March. And so many new skills have been learned by some very kind and dedicated people, our streaming and projecting and uh, editing videos and so on. And also new gifts from people who've been teaching and uh, leading through Bread for Today and all that they've shared through that. That's been really exciting as well. I think we've been a lot more adaptable. We've become used to change and therefore we're not so phased by it. We're not so phased by last minute additions and changes that we keep having to make. So that's gonna be a good thing for the future. We've been more creative about having to uh, decide on ways through and round difficulties. Our youth workers really thrive during this time as young people have found it such a, a stable and encouraging place to be. So numbers have increased and the depth of relationships has increased. People haven't had to compete with many other activities as they normally would. We've done Alpha online and there are new WhatsApp groups that have formed to encourage one another. And Liz writes about this. She says, I'm in an Alpha WhatsApp group and the support and prayers for each other on there have been amazing. So another powerful testimony from people here who have experienced God at work in the midst of things. We've also been a bit more visible in the community because we haven't always been able to meet here. So for example, Jigsaw, our toddler group, when we were allowed to meet in sixes, we were out in the park in all, almost all weathers. And that meant that other people chatted to us to find out what we were doing. We did our nativity trail around the shops at Christmas because we couldn't have a traditional crib service. So maybe we are a little more visible to the community. We started a whole new service, Families at Four, which is currently online. And through that, we're growing new young leaders, which is really exciting. And in return, what have we been doing with all these blessings that God has given us? Well, we've been praying more. Diane set up our 24 hours of prayer each month and we've had our week of continuous prayer and more people in the congregation are reporting that they're praying more, more often and they're finding more comfort and blessing from it, which is amazing. And I'm hoping and praying that in the long term, we'll be able to look back and say, during this time, we learned to rely on God more, whatever the circumstances were that we were facing. Now, if that's not you right now, and you really can't identify with these blessings, then that's totally understandable. But hold on and know that we're praying for you. And we know that as you continue to seek God, he will find you and you will receive those blessings that you're after. So we understand that situation, but it's also good to be inspired to know that for some, there have been many blessings that have come. God has been at work we have not been abandoned. Did God cause this pandemic? No, we don't think so. Is good coming out of it? Yes. Is God at work? Yes, definitely. And I'm sure he would be a lot more at work if we would let him. So as a world, we have much to work out, don't we, about uh, the safety of our planet and about how we are able to create a more just society. And there's so much that God can teach us as a nation, as individuals, and as a world about that. But God can only show us these things if we let him. So I'm sure there is a lot more that he would love to do, depending on how our hearts are.
So the blessings that we are receiving from God during this time can be counted like we've just been doing. But I'd also like to go back to that passage again, because I think there's another level at which we can look at this, this question, what's God been doing? If we look at the passage where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, we can notice a few things. Firstly, we can see a God who weeps with us. There's that most famous and most abused verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. We can feel the anguish that he went through, not just that his friends went through. And of course, Mary and Martha were angry and didn't understand why Jesus didn't come earlier and heal Lazarus. But it was all part of a bigger picture for Jesus that Mary and Martha were not aware of. So a God who weeps with us. Secondly, a God who not only identifies with us in our suffering, but he doesn't leave us there because Jesus shows to his followers as he's going to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. He says, this is happening for God's glory in, in verse 40 in the passage. This is for God's glory. And it's like a foretaste of his own resurrection and the resurrection of all of us at the end. And thirdly, I think that Jesus' compassion itself is deeply attractive to us and it can be for others who want to know him as well. It's something that we can be excited to share. Yes, a miracle is amazing, but for many of us, we don't really need a big miracle. We just want to know that we matter to God. There is so much more that we could talk about in this passage. So I would encourage you for a bit more homework today to look at it later. Let the emotions ride with you. Let the questions inspire you to ask your own questions of God and express that to him in whatever way is best for you. So don't leave this passage alone because there's a lot more to come from it. We've come to the end of our series. Is it okay to ask God honest questions? Yes. Do we have all the answers? No, definitely not. But we know that we have a God who cares and who walks with us through all of the joys and the sorrows we face and he will lead us through. So let's pray to close. Lord, may we help you to help us. Let us not stand in the way of what you want to teach us. Let us embrace the gifts that you give us. Help us to have a deeper trust that you who raised Jesus Christ from the dead can keep us from falling and lead us forward. Amen.